Welcome back to the Construction Dorkcast for episode 19, Mixed Mechanical Arts with the Queen of Prefab, Amy Marks. Amy hangs out with us and lets her geek flag fly as we talk all things industrial construction and what impact it is going to have on multiple areas of the construction industry. We do go heavy into a company-focused discussion, which we normally don't do, but it was in the context of the conversation, and we learned how even the autodesks of the world are learning there isn't going to be one ring to rule them all. And we're live. That's right, episode 19 of the Construction Dorks Mixed Mechanical Arts with the queen of free prefab, Amy Marks. That's right. We're back. We've got drinks. We've got our dork hats on. We're ready to go. I hope you are ready to join us because this is going to be a wild ride. Uh, as we normally do, we're going to introduce our drinks. I'm going to start with my man in his new studio looking snazzy down there. Jonathan Marsh. What's happening? What happened to that place, man? It looks a lot different than two weeks ago. I, I, I got caught in lockdown for 20 days and it snowed and, and like I, I did everything I could to stay busy and not be on lockdown. So I, I redid my, my closet into a nice studio. My daughter's room is on the other side of that. So she was begging me to put up something so she couldn't hear. She's like, I can hear one side of your conversation. She's like, at the very least, let me tune in. And you're boring, dad. You're horribly, <laughs> horribly boring. Um, what is not boring is my drink for the evening. I got Eagle Rare. Now, like everybody else can get this at the store, but in, in Pennsylvania, that doesn't happen. So we are thanking Sean for smuggling into Pennsylvania and getting uh, me some Eagle Rare smuggle. to have a decent bourbon yeah. uh, for the podcast. Thank you. That is a fantastic brand by the way one of the first friend of mine served me that at his bar and ever since i was like man and it's not that expensive if you're looking for a good price point no. yeah good all right travis boss you're black on white today what I do you got i have a bottle of uh jameson black barrel that Ooh. i picked up from flaviar 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 flaviar, flaviar. yeah uh, flaviar this is uh i, I will it's a really good whiskey. Um, I will say that it's probably a little bit of cheat. Um, anybody that knows me knows I like bourbon. And the reason it's black barrel is because they use charred oak barrels. So it's basically Irish bourbon, uh, but it's good. It's very good. Very smooth. All right. Well, Trent, it's you're white on black. So you're next. Hey, better believe hey. it. You know, the hey. best part about the background is Jonathan. We get to block you every time. That's right. <laughs> Two of me. Um, I'm going beer tonight, guys. I got a local brewery. It's not. Put it in work. front of your face, man. Put it in front of your face. In buddy. The face. There you go. Thank oh, you. you. It. Uh. So it's from Black Acre Brew here in, in Indianapolis, and it's called TV Wolf. It's in a West Coast IPA. All right. Hop, hop, hop. Hop, hop, hop. Well, hop I hop. am too going to discuss mine, and I am drinking a Westward single malt whiskey from Flaviar. And for those of you that know, I'm, I'm much more like Travis, a bourbon and a rye drinker, but in honor of my father being out here for a couple of months and our Flaviar subscription coming up, that's right. We subscribe to Flaviar here at the construction dorks. 
Um, I got a scotch whiskey. Amy's laughing at us because she probably hasn't figured out yet that we're trying to get Flaviar to sponsor <laughs> us. It's our personal whiskey delivery. And, uh, well, three of I'll us are members. Call. I'll make a call for you. All right. We appreciate that. So it's very scotchy, which is against my normal flavor, but it's not overly peaty, so I kind of really dig it. Um, so that's Westward. If you haven't tried it, it's a uh, single malt whiskey. Um, and that brings us to our illustrious guest today. Someone I met a long time ago and I am extremely excited and also hanging on to my table for an hour of conversation with the queen of prefab, Amy Marks. Amy, introduce your drink, yourself, and uh, whatever you want to talk about for, well, an hour. Yeah, I mean, I drink Clase Azul tequila and it's the one with the, the bell on the top. So uh, I'm kind of fancy, fancy. And I don't know if you know me, I don't really drink, but I actually started drinking about a half an hour ago for this <laughs> podcast. So let me be clear that this is like me, 100%. But I, I'm drinking this with a little Perrier. So I have it in a, a big glass. But yeah, I've been awesome. I've been starting already. And I have a little charcuterie on the side. like that Yeah. <laughs> Why is it that we make non-drinkers drink? I don't know. I, know that. <laughs> I think it's construction pressure. technology in general that makes non that makes non-drinker people yeah. drink. However, uh, Travis, go ahead, man. I was going to say. So for your first, for my first question, when you say charcuterie, I mean, so you have like a, a fancy lunchable? Is that what you have? Right there? <laughs> kind of. You yeah. know, it's funny. <laughs> my whole house right now, all three floors are being redone. Like every surface, every piece of flooring, every hinge, everything's lighting, everything's being redone. So I am no joke. Although my tequila is fancy, I'm on a paper plate with some cheese and like pepperoni. That's about it. Like I was like, I better eat something if I'm going to drink and I eat keto. So I have like a little keto snack for me. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. It didn't soak up much just so we're clear. Like, <laughs> If those of you need keto advice, uh, Amy and I have traded quite a few different uh, keto foods over time, but I think, I think our audience is going to kill me if I go down that route today. Right. It's not really and it's a, rather large. So we're, we're going to start it off. I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off with the questions. Um, so industrialized construction, this is a term that gets thrown around quite a bit. And you were, you were talking about it pre-show and I want to, I wanted to bring it back. What do you, how do you approach that right now? And, and how do you start a conversation with someone on it? Yeah. I mean, I think we have such a language issue in the world about, every single different word, prefab, modular, off-factory, off-site, industrialized construction. It's like, at the end of the day, I personally like the term industrialized construction as the overarching principle for many things. It's like the house that Toyota built for lean. For me, it's the house that industrialized construction built for what we do. The only probably like little issue I have with the name is, and it's really about the application of manufacturing techniques to the entirety of the built environment. And that means design, make, operate, right? So for me, sometimes architects here industrialized construction, they sort of opt out, you know what I mean? And I'm like, but for me, it really is about like, you know, foundational things like technology and process enablers like BIM and lean manufacturing and IOT and the cloud. But yeah, I mean, prefabrication in the physical form is in there too, from like the whole prefabrication continuum of, you know, advanced building products and single trade, multi-trade modular. But then I think what we often forget too is there are advanced building techniques. So things like robotics and automation and 3D printing, you know, all the manufacturing cool things, the way in which we can build, you know, with uh, humans and machines. So uh, for it's a it's a big term, um, 
And I think it's uh, sometimes misunderstood, you know, offsite always is like the big one for me. I'm always like, like, you're just speaking location specific to me when you say offsite, like it just means prefabrication, not at the job site. You know what I mean? But it's a bit, it's tricky, right? So I'm, I'm kind of, I always feel like I'm like a taskmaster on language. Like I'm like, I hope that came out right. Didn't sound right. I'm like a taskmaster. I'm like, I'm such like a stickler for language. Sometimes I feel like a teacher, you know, every day, like I'm, don't say that word for that, you know. <laughs> I have, a, I have a question and it, it does diverge just a little bit, but when I saw you started working for AutoCAD and I started seeing you travel around. So AutoCAD. Like in terms of prefab and industrialized, that. come on, John. <laughs> what's Auto the coolest thing you've desk. seen in a shop that you're allowed to talk about? Let's what is like the, the you thing. looked at it and you're like, holy crap, that's awesome. I mean, so I first I worked for Autodesk. AutoCAD is one of our software, you know, along with Revit and Plan Grid and Building. All I that. apologize. No, oh, no, no, no. I think there's a brand, you know, we want to make sure the brand is the brand is the brand. But yeah. probably the coolest. I don't know. I, I like big stuff. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but like the bigger, the prefab element, the cooler, the like pause turner or something. Like, I just think big stuff is cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I guess, you know, the other part that makes me super dorky, I always walk in a factory. First of all, I love clean factories, right? Like I, I'm the, I'm like just picking up stuff off the ground in other people's shops all the time and like moving the, like, <laughs> I'm like, I like a really clean factory and I feel like I'm all about this elegance of flow. Like if I see like a really beautiful flow of a factory, to me that beats out any automation or robot. You can have like a completely uh, like by, you know, like no automation whatsoever in your factory. But if it has this like elegance of flow, I think it's amazing. And that's just super dorky, I know. And it's hard to like, like I always walk into people's factories and I'm like, uh, tell me like, where do things start and end here? Like, what, how, like, what am I looking at? You know? And, and if I don't have to ask, cause I can see it before I even have to ask, it's so cool to me. I think it's amazing. You know? Oh, I totally feel that. I still, to this day, like when I walk into one of those restaurants where they have all the, the mechanicals showing on the ceiling, I look up and go, Oh, that's so nice. You did such a good job or yeah. that's crap. I'm not eating here because you didn't do this right. You know, I, I feel that. And like, again, I just think it's so cool. I love, I love places where it's clean and there's no, uh, there's no waste. Like I see just this like less trout people like doing their thing in their space and they don't have to, you know, walk across the whole factory. You know, I just, I, I don't know. The, by the way, I'm prepping the audience. This is going to be the dorkiest conversation you've ever heard me talk about because That's like, they come here for. this is basically like going on a dinner date with me in that way. Like this is a really boring conversation at a dinner date. Yeah, but we all do this in the bar after every one of the shows. And that is why we are here to do this is to replicate that feel. Cause I know, I miss it. I mean, especially this week, yeah. for some reason, I don't know what it is about this week. It has been a difficult one for me that we just don't have it. I want to get out and dork out and sit back. And I want to be looking in the eye as we're going down the rabbit hole of like, I don't know about that one, Amy. I don't know. We got, we went toe to toe last time we were all drinking on at late at night. I was like yelling and stuff at the, at the TV, like at the camera. Uh, I left. <laughs> I left too early. Yeah, you, you missed the fireworks, Jeff. Brett and I went like boxed it out, you know, like <laughs> put on the gloves. Hey, that you, sometimes you got to put on the gloves, yeah. you know, they, they have special weight. You know, we have to have special weight. It doesn't get personal. Yeah, you know, no, the, no, no. Our no, glove no. weight is this <laughs> thick so yeah. that, you know, it I, only hits I involve this. the family every time. I mean, I go right <laughs> for the... He's going for my daughter. He's like, 
<laughs> trash immediately. Going for your your ancestors. Yeah, like your ancestors were trash. Yeah, that's Unless a fantastic point. But... And your whole family. <laughs> and, and then like anyone coming. Yeah, to I will hit you so hard, five generations of your family fall down. You exactly. Know? <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Hey, don't I worry. Gonna... I used to say as a joke, like, you know, my modules go to other countries. Nobody really cares what's in the concrete, Trent, just so you know. <laughs> and she is from Jersey. So you Jersey. really I, have I to be careful. Jersey. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the home that the, the uh, what is it? The uh, cement shoes were built in. Right. No. Yeah. Right. right. It, it happens. Well, at least I'll be, a, you know, I'll be etched in time, right? right. You'll, be, You'll be in a really pretty place. Don't worry. Right. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. If if I'm gonna be buried in anything, it better have been modular, baby. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and jump in with a question. Um, you, we were talking early on where you were talking about like part of this evolution evolution is just about keep you know wanting to survive, right? Wanting businesses wanting to survive and continue on. I was kind of curious, get a little bit of your origin story, um, how you got started in this in this vein and then what are your what you've seen in the progress that made you so passionate about the need for companies companies like ours to to jump on board to be able to evolve into this new future yeah i mean i think look i started out my dad owns a or owned a general contracting cm firm and my brother owns it now kalka construction on long island so i grew up in the business right and honestly my dad was just a Tough. And my mother owned as well. As my, by the way, I watched my mother and my father start a company in our basement with like no money. And they ended up building like 20 million square feet on Long Island, over 20 million now. So, um, you know, I watched them work really hard. And it was just watching my dad and my mom was like watching them do it through brute force. You know what I mean? It was like pushing subs, calling subs, coordinating things after the fact. And it's true. I actually tell the story all the time, like that I would, my dad would like drive us around to job sites and we would look up, he would, people would be like gather around all the MVP contractors mostly. And they'd be looking in the ceiling and my dad would be like, that's costing us money right now. Or we're making money. I'm not sure which, but one of them, like we're either making money or it's costing us money. And that whole sentiment of like this disconnect between, you know, design and make really like struck me. Like I, and my dad was a tough guy. My mom was super tough too by the way, both of them. My mom was a Hawaiian Ironman triathlete three times in her sixties. Wow. Like they're both super tough people. And like, I just kept thinking like, there's just gotta be a better way than this, you know, like, and then I luckily broke away and had the opportunity to be a minority partner in one of the oldest volumetric modular companies on the planet at the time. And, um, and I watched things being done a different way. And, you know, for that way, the design we did, all, it, when I first bought the company, it was um, turnkey design, manufacture, install. So they had no friends. I always said they had like zero friends. Architects hated them. General contractors hated them. Like they literally did everything and basically said, we're better than everybody. Like every architect that's out there and every, it's like really hard to make friends. So the first thing we did was we said, look, we're going to work with outside architecture firms and outside general contractors to make some friends here. But um, the thing that was so cool about it is the design, like where all the designers sat right near the factory floor, I just watched the interaction all the time of guys walking in and out from the design side to the shop that I thought like, wow, this is great. And I love how we're building things, but it could be better. But how do I even still fix the like, why do we have to have this revolving door to architecture to the factory? Like to me, it was always, what's not on the drawing? What are you not seeing? Like what, what, what are we missing here? Even in a really nice, you know, manufacturing facility. And I, I think 
that got me super passionate. And then honestly, dropping fabrication for a while and being able to go and, and preach the word and like work on process at the highest levels, like with governments and big, you know, giant companies. You know, I feel like you would not believe how many times customers of mine, multi-billion dollar customers would pull us in a room, the CEO, and they'd be like, this is how we do this. They're like, don't be shocked. Like, that was like, I used to laugh. Like, they'd be like, don't be, don't, don't be surprised. Like, don't be shocked. Here's how we actually estimate this stuff. And I'd be like, I'm never going to be shocked because I feel like I've seen it all already. So it's like, why is that happening? Like, these are super smart people. It's not like anyone isn't smart, right? But it's like this this whole disconnected process. Like I'm actually really into strategy. Um, and I, I took core clarity, Gallup strength Thunder. My number one is strategic. Like I'm constantly thinking like, I don't think I'm the smartest person in the room. I just think I'm super logical about like, wait, what happens? It goes from here to there to the, like, why is this broken? Like, why can't I just, like, I'm the person I never want to go to C. Like if I just have to go from A to B, like, I'm like, I have no patience to go A to C to B. Like, I'm like, why can't I just go from A to B? And I think that's what it's like, almost like for me, this whole thing is like solving a giant puzzle. And I think that's why it's super fun. Like I'm, I never, like Jeff knows me personally. Like I like eat, drink, sleep, breathe, like wake up with my phone. People send me prefab pictures at 6am. I'm like, that's so awesome. You know, like I have, I'm a mom and this is my thing, you know, like that's kind of it, you know? That's why we're on TikTok now. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, we have almost 11,000 views on my personal TikTok that I said I was coming on this show today. <laughs> nice, nice. We got a shot. On TikTok, which is like not my business side. If you go oh, on there, it's not for business. <laughs> now, you you give yourself, you say that this is all you do, you know, mom and then prefab. There's a lot to Amy. I, you, it's true. We do know each other personally. And that's why I was excited that you would come on and talk because I, I know you can actually get really, really dorky. I'm going to bring one in from the crowd here, though. Um, right. So Joshua Ward asked, who kicks off the conversation of prefab fat slash industrial construction? The owner, the architect, and why is the GC always too late? <laughs> I mean, you got to give them a little credit. By the way, I, over the years, have been super hard on the GCs. I've been like, it's all your fault. You're the number one constraint. I've said that in a lot of meetings, in a lot of shows where guys from the audience, I'll never forget, I think two years ago at advancing prefab i said that and some guy from skanska got angry and i was like it's just the truth like you can't change unless you're ready to recognize you have some issues but i mean i think look at the end of the day everything is really changing now right COVID has accelerated that change and mckinsey's report is really not projecting what's going to happen in the next 15 years they're saying 45 percent of the processes move towards industrialized construction I've actually, I think it's already happened. We are all, if you're in the MEP trade, you already know this has happened. And if you're in the construction management, you know this. I would say like owners, I'm really teaching owners to kick the conversation off, but with it to take on the responsibility that they need to, to make it happen. Like they can't say like, I want prefab and then put it in the hands of the general contractor who has no processes that promote prefab potentially, has no supply chain to support that, hasn't had the conversation about how to be an integrator of pieces and parts. Like you can't put it on somebody else. I think, um, and by the way, there are a lot of great general contractors now that are starting the conversation that are truly looking at being systems integrators. So I don't wanna say that they're the number one constraint really anymore, but I would say like, Look, I'm like a, I always say I'm not a feminist. I'm a capitalist. Like whoever has the money gets to say that that's just factual. You know what I mean? So like the owners at the top of the ecosystem, the ones that have, I call them serial owners, not the ones that are going to give you one job. The guys that could give you 50 jobs, 30 jobs, 20 jobs around multiple geos. 
those are the guys and gals that have to start this conversation. You have to affect change from the top down, which is actually why I came to Autodesk, right? So you can't, you, I always say to big companies, I'm like, you're not big enough. I just said to a 9 billion year old company, I'm like, you're not big enough. I don't care what tech you have, what cool thing you're doing. You're not big enough to affect change in this $14 trillion ecosystem. You're just not big enough. It takes, it's going to take a, a village of like really influential people with, yes, yeah, some people that are doing cool stuff too, but that makes sense. I hope I answered your question. I think architects do bring it up sometimes. I think, you know, it depends on like who the champion is. Look, at the end of the day, I'm trying to move the information. You guys know I'm like a super supporter of the trades, right? And like, I personally think that the manufacturing that goes on at the trade contractor level these days is really the best we have. And I think you will see some um, building uh, material suppliers that are truly manufacturers. I think they're going to you better hurry up, uh, my MEP guys, because those building trade manufacturers that make pieces are going to start making more assemblies. And if you don't step up, they're coming down, right? Like you're yeah. you're trying to move up, and they're coming down. Yeah, we're ready um, for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think certain ones are, Trent. I mean, when you say that, um, I'd say you're ready, maybe, but not everybody's ready, and they, this is going to be a oh, agreed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. It, yeah. It, to Josh, it's a real threat. It's, for sure. Or is it a challenge? I mean, like, I, I, Amy, I'm with you. I'm a capitalist. I believe in in the opportunity here, and I, I guess think it depends on your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's commoditization too, right? Like the people get scared of that term and that phrase, and and thinking of it that way. But as something becomes a commodity, it becomes part of the experience of when you deliver it. So listen, if you're making a skid with a whole bunch of somebody else's equipment on top of it, what's harder to make, the equipment or the skid? Like. <laughs> Think about it like that. Yep. Like what's That's hard point. That to make yeah. a structural skid or for you to somehow manufacture all these like things that you can, would take you a long time to figure out how to make. That's yeah. all you have to ask yourself when you like, how much of a threat is it? Sure. Sure. You know, I, I got to say, I didn't, I didn't view it. We were doing a lot of, we were buying a lot of prefab when I was working in contracting. I didn't view it as a, as a sort of, I, I viewed it more as a partnership. I figured if you can give me bigger pieces at fixed costs, I don't care. I mean, I'll, I'll do more work to get the people that I have out there and working, but I was all for that. I, I, I saw, um, I'm going to call out Culligan. Culligan did some cool skids where they were just putting everything together. And I'm like, you, you guys rock. They're like, well, we're doing your work. I'm like, no, I have plenty of work to do. <laughs> There's plenty of construction in the United States without me having to build a freaking water softener skid. So yeah. if you build that for me, I now have a fixed price can pop that in my model. I mean, I, I love that. And I, I get that some people feel threatened by it, but I feel like with the amount of stuff we have to build, there's, there's no way that's going to happen without, without some of those manufacturers building bigger puzzle pieces for us, you know, oh, yeah. and work you're, with them. You're evolved though, Jonathan, you are yeah. the evolved type, right? So yeah. Yeah, well, we have... like the, the answer is always in the middle, right? There's always mm -hmm. the two extremes that fight over, but the real answer is in the middle where you, fi where you figure out how to make it work. Yeah. I mean, we've done, I mean, I won't say the pump company, but there's a nationwide pump company that the skids that they sold were made in our fab shop. And we even had the paint that they would ship us and do. I mean, so we've clearly found efficient ways to compete with them, at least for now, not saying that, uh, that they won't evolve as a company and, you know, we got to stay on our toes and keep moving, but yeah. You know what's funny about the McKinsey report? Did you guys read that? Um, the new normal, mm -hmm. new normal in construction. If you haven't, I could post it up. Uh, yeah. You know what? What people don't really talk about is there's that chart, right? And they talk about the fact that it's almost like you see all these graphs of like different parts of the ecosystem, and they're like, "This is what they make now. This is what they're going to make next 15 years." And there are actually winners 
and losers on that graph. Like that's what you should be looking at. You shouldn't be looking at like 45% is shifting to IC. That's great. Okay. What's on that graph is like who wins and who loses when that happens. And also there's this money up for grabs in the top right-hand corner of it. Like there's this additional value created. And it's like, so you kind of have to think of that graph. Like there's a bunch of cups of water right now that have $14 trillion worth of water in them. When all this happens, you've redistributed the water. Some have none now. Right. And then there's like a lot of, there's a whole nother pitcher of water to pour into some of those that have recognized how to do more manufacturing, DFMA. By the way, technology spend in that chart doubles. Now it goes from 1% to 2%, but like it doubled. <laughs> but I mean, in the, hey, like I'll take no, it. No, you know what I mean? Like, 2% of $14 trillion is a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Manufacturing like has a big chunk. And like, you, if you if you look at it, actually, specialty contractors go down, but the manufacturing goes up, which is really them. It's sort of like, it's a bit strange because it's the guys that know how to fab become the manufacturers. So there are definite, you should study that chart because there are winners and losers. And I think there are whole layers of the ecosystem. Funny enough, one that I really thought about hard the last time we all talked, like there are true layers of this ecosystem that go away, that won't exist anymore that are threats now to some of the things going on, but they go away. They, they are gonna get wiped off the face of the earth. You know? Do you think when you're out there and you're evangelizing about industrial construction, you're, you're talking to those people too and saying, like, I mean, you said you're, you're very much into strategy. Who do you think is, you know, really needs to hear the strategy of industrialized construction? Who are the people most at risk? Uh, Oh, you're gonna make me call them out, and they're gonna get mad at me. <laughs> I mean, they don't listen. They don't listen. No one listen. Like you gotta do, it. You gotta do it. And like, I'm gonna. We know who it is. Section <laughs> right, like, yeah. So I think, like Nathan, I see your comment. Am I talking about GCs? Yeah, sometimes I was before. Like, but I don't think GCs get wiped off the face of the earth. I think you just wrote that comment. I know Nathan, so I saw he wrote a note, but like. I think unless GCs become systems integrators, like, by the way, so here's the funniest part about that uh, number that I just said. If 45% of all the processes move towards industrialized construction, you're doing a billion dollar hospital, right? If 45% of it is now being built in a prefabricated manner, do you not need to know the other 45, the other 55% how it's like, you know, adjacent to that, what it, how it needs to accept those pieces and parts, how it needs to function alongside of those? Of course you do. So like when you're talking about half the, and again, it's not like one giant chunk of a building is prefab and the other one's like normal, you know, conventional. Normally these pieces and parts are interspaced, like, you know, interstitial yeah. to the building itself. So like basically at that point, it's all industrialized construction, right? Whether you're accepting it or you're like adjacent to it or you've got to be whatever, part of a system of it. So it's like, you've passed the tipping point. So I think like, I I'm saying that to be fair, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, general contractors and funny enough, I know, I won't say who, but one of my, one of the general contractors I would say is probably like somebody I've not looked at in the last 15 years as being the most innovative at the head of the game of IC. I was just on a, a show with them recently and they were like, we've realized we have to be the best at installing all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even believe you're saying that. Like I literally, well, I thought it was shocking to me that this company recognized that actually. Cause I, for years and years have known them as not necessarily embracing new technologies and they just said like look we may not be the best at like figuring it out up front who knows but like we definitely know we have to install it so we better figure out how to be the integrator of this stuff i think the guys that are really at risk of going away completely i think again this is like a little bit shocking to you i think some of the distributors 
have a real tough time in the new world. I think um, they might go away. I think if you have um, a more connected, enabled platform of direct designers and makers, you are at risk as a distributor to provide value in that case. If I can speak directly to the manufacturer and in real time, like think about this on amazon.com. I, I, you know, I love my shoe analogy. I didn't go to like a shoe distributor. I went right to the manufacturer of this shoe and I bought it online and I put all the parameters of what I wanted for the shoe in what's really generative design in that platform, right? I want a red shoe with a four inch heel from a five-star, you know, designer. I want it in two days. Like there's no distributor in that model. Jeff Bezos has said that in his, you know, his, their margins are his opportunity. I think you should be really, uh, not worried, but you should understand what your new value as a distributor, like if you're Cooper or Ferguson, or I don't hate to call them out. I don't mean it like that. But if you're some sort of distributor of large pieces and parts, you need to figure out your, your new future, like, and how you're going to have value. Is that terrible to say? I hope I'm not going to get 10 calls from Ferguson tomorrow. Like I'm sure, but no, and by well, the way, there is a future for them. I'm not saying there isn't one. Yeah, well, I, I think they know that. <laughs> well, I think they do. I yeah. Think they, yeah. They, Amy, I think the ones that that we should worry about, the ones that no, uh, the ones that would listen, they're aware of it on the GC okay, side that you were talking about. Nathan mentioned it. It's called the infinite game. It's like if you think what you do now is what you are, no, that this and this game always changes. The the finish line's always moving. The the rules are always changing. You've right. got to be flexible and change. And I think no, forget you know, about flexible. You should be going to work every day if you're one of these CEOs. You should be like, how is it I'm going to get wiped off the face of the earth? Yes, exactly. The, the first, exactly. The yeah. first thing Any you of should them. do. CMs, architects, yeah. everyone yep. should like definitely go to work. Auditors, everybody. We should be going I, to work. Somebody yeah. at your company every day. Somebody, yep. not everybody, but somebody at your company should be sitting in a room every day going like, what in the future is going to kill me? Right. And how Very well it, said, but there's a time frame there, right? I mean, yeah. we should be looking at five to 10 years, right? I mean. Well, if yeah. you're thinking about what could kill you, look, you know, the I'm actually, you know, I'm writing a book and like I've come up with this transformation framework that is, it's called the innovator's deception, right? And so, you know, Clayton used to talk about the fact that like you could change an industry from the bottom up and you can when it's one industry, we're not one industry. <laughs> I'm getting texts already saying, how am I going to get wiped off the face of the earth? <laughs> you're killing me. I'm, you're killing me now. But, um, <laughs> no, and, and Amy. For some tequila. But no. wait, you know, like if you think about it, you can't affect change from the bottom up of this. We're not one industry, like you're a mechanical contracting industry or an architecture industry. It's a construction industry. We have all these siloed ecosystem industries within this ecosystem, right? So it's like knowing that we have sort of like a lot of waste and cash for chaos. I always say there's many dead cats thrown over the fence all the time, back and forth. Like something has to change. Right. And so what's happening now, I it's convergence, right? That's really what you, you should use the word convergence. Convergence is actually uh, you know, making this happen because you're seeing, and I like to think of my my litmus test is you've basically tried to take the silo over next to you, right? Because you're this pressure that's created of the, you know, trying to reduce waste and the fact that we need more and we have less skilled labor, all that pressure creates a, a melding of business models. So you see GCs buying shops, right? We all know that's happening. Mm -hmm. You see architects now fabbing. You see architects wanting to be owner developers as well, right? And want to be technology providers. You see, you know, subcontractors becoming super subs. I just had a sub say to me the other day and I worked with him for years. He's like, I'm not a sub anymore. I'm a manufacturer. Don't 
don't call me a sub anymore. I was like, okay, you know, like that you're seeing convergence happening. So what happens when convergence happens between industries and process and technology and people and skills? You need to address that honestly with top-down change. You need to support that with platform. People, when you when you start converging, you get some people get squeezed out, right? Like mm -hmm. that's just what convergence is. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 part of. Uh, it's part of the process and part of the evolution. And each one of you has to have somebody in the room. If you haven't done this, um, the, the worst thing that you can do though, is, is get in a room and say, how, how, you know, how are we going to die? It's actually stand in the room and say, if you were going to kill us and you didn't work here anymore, how would you kill us? Yep. It opens yourselves up mentally. It's an Adam Grant trick, but it opens you up mentally to allow yourself. Because the problem is if you work for a company and you say, how, you know, how are we going to die? It's your product that's going to die. If you allow yourself to separate from it, because that's something that most businesses don't do. And, and we've talked about this a little bit over time, Amy, is that you aren't your business. You're, if your business, if what you do is who you are, it's a, you're eventually going to end up failing. Yeah, you, do you know Mark Cuban has a whole thing about this, by the way. Yeah. And I was at, I, I actually was, uh, it was hard for me too as a small business owner. Look, many of these companies are like family owned, multi generational companies, right? Loyalty is a big part of that. Unfortunately, one of the things Mark Cuban said is like, you got to throw that out the window. If you want to exist on this planet, like all the things that were, not all of it, but this is his take. He's like, we are too loyal for too long until we are, we get wiped off the face of the earth. Like, because we think too small, we think too family oriented. And like a lot, remember in the US, like most of these companies are like homegrown family, third generation, fourth generation type. There's lots of juniors out there. You know who you are when I say junior, you know, like there's a lot of you out there and like, yeah, your uncle still works there and everyone that's been there for 25 years and you just can't let them go. You don't want to like replace them. But guess what? Like that's going to hurt you. And Mark Cuban has a whole like theory about that, that like part of why we can't evolve is that we are almost too loyal to a fault in some ways. Right. But that loyalty is what ends up killing us. So eventually yeah. one, one, one generation doesn't get it. So you have to challenge them that, if you want this to continue from generation to generation, what we started as one company will not be what it was in the end. If we define ourselves by what we do, not who we are and how we work, those are right. two extraordinarily different things. And I'm all for it. Um, Nathan wanted us to stop, but I actually have a question that came in over email that I need to pull up over here. So one yes. of our former guests, I'm not sure he wants me to out Say who name. he is. Say his name. Um, <laughs> Hugh Seaton, when you guys are talking, can you ask about how this impacts supply chain management and purchasing? Now, I think we've kind of been covering that on the distributor side and a few other sides, but I thought, hey, Hugh asked, he was cool enough to be on. Um, what do you think? How does this affect supply, impact supply chain management and, and our purchasing processes, Amy? I think it's going to be real tough. I think, I think eventually, like, listen, I can only speak for Autodesk. We're, we are truly becoming more and more a platform company every day, right? We have a portfolio of products. If I showed you a slide that shows you how many logos of different companies integrate with us, hold on a second. Um, that was for you, Jeff. Oh, that's the good sound. <laughs> that was Everybody else see me? I was like, I was looking down at the chat and then I heard it. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. But if you truly look at what a platform company looks like, it doesn't necessarily benefit the software company. In fact, it's harder for the software company that has things like our portfolio of products like Revit and AutoCAD and, you know, Build and PLM and Vault and all that stuff. It's connecting all those things together through this ecosystem that is better for the end users, right? So like, 
That's what's really going to happen here. And I think the more that is connected, the more real time that you have, right? And, and the more direct understanding of designers and makers and, and being able to not just think about geometric data, but functional discrete data in a parametric form, like computational design type stuff. And again, like I always use productization as the baby step for that. That's just baby steps, right? So it's like, there's fabrication, which we do a lot of right now, but productization is truly like, and I always use the example of a generator, right? Like no architect ever designs a two seventeen and a half generator because they feel like it, but they'll make racks that should never be made ever, right? They'll create like, you know, skids that make no sense. And like, we'll have to reconcile them and, you know, do constructability, whatever. Like, I think at the end of the day, the supply chain is going to be uh, enabled and connected through technology. I think if I use my crystal ball, like you will see a lot more uh, machine learning and AI, even like if you look at what's going on in Europe and the UK, like they're recognizing that 70% of the components in like hospitals and schools are all the same. Why are they going out to bid for all these things every single time? Why are we redesigning and spending money on designing stuff that ends up being all the same anyway? And like, you know, I used to use, I, I had a big, uh, I love Mexican food, right? And I, you know me, I'm like a storyteller because I have actually no life, I think. But like, I, I, like I work a lot and I like have these stories that happen at work. But like, you know, I used to use the Mexican restaurant example for those of you who have heard me like say in the back, there's beans, meat and cheese, like seven ingredients and we make them into all these things. I was actually thinking recently of like, let me like change that because let's think about the art of sound, right? I'm redoing my house for those friends of mine in the audience. I've seen a few of your names. I'm redoing my whole house. Now I can go online and I can buy Sonos, right? Like, and by the way, I know not, not that much about like stereo systems. My friends are like, just go online and get Sonos. You just tell them what you want. You put the, you have to do a little work, but it's all productized, right? Mm -hmm. You can do that. And I can get a perfectly nice sound system, spend a lot, like a pretty good amount of money for that. Or I can go to my very, very expensive sound consultant in my town and I can say, look, I want the art of sound in my house. And he's going <laughs> to ask me or she's going to ask me a million questions about what size are the rooms and how do you listen? Are you sitting down? Are you laying down? Do you have seating? Like what's on the walls? And tell me about the space and what kind of like technology are you, are you doing DVDs? Are you doing Blu-ray? Do you listen to records? Are you going to vinyl? Like, and by the way, you can sell me a $150,000 sound system for my house, but he's not making speaker wire, right? Like he buys products and assembles them in a certain way based on the parameters that I gave him, think generative design. And then he spends 15% of his time recreating speakers that are not black because that won't look nice in my house. And he makes me pretty girly with like bedazzled pretty speakers that are custom only to me because I don't want ugly black boy speakers in my house. I want something pretty. So like, that's what he does. And I still have the art of sound. So look, you can buy Sonos and you can buy the art of sound, but they're all productized, right? Like that's what you have to recognize about what's going to happen in these buildings. So the more we move towards that, like you'll see layers of the ecosystem that are creating value out of lack of information or, you know, having to find the right product, they'll go away. Once machine learning does that, once a direct connection enabled through technology does that, those people that do that for a living should recognize that if that's what I do, I probably need to figure out some other part of value that will keep me around. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's a lot to absorb, but I think you're right. Um, I, I, I think that's a lot clearer than you put it last time. Cause that, that really like, so that when you're saying productizing there, it's like, we, we have these people who are the actual manufacturers and makers, and they're getting to the point where we don't need sales to sort of aggregate our own products. 
we can take and we can build our products and we can talk directly to the client and say, like, if I were to say one thing about everything you've said in terms of gaming the strategy, it's that the people in the middle are about to have a bad day. Yeah. Because there's like, no need to have a middle. <laughs> well, they will only have a bad day as much as the people who actually make products step up. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like if you make central utility plants right now and you make them and you fabricate them, right, where you have not created a scalable product with all the same bells and whistles, like if I bought a generator where I know performance, capacity, size, my, you know, how it works. If you don't, if you think you should ask yourself every time, have I made this look like a product, like a generator? If you haven't, where no architect is going to make a 217 and a half, you haven't done your job and there'll always be a need for the middleman, right? If you have, and I can enable them to understand what that product looks like, to understand the parameters of it, to be able to use it just like they can when they pull down a generator, then those people will be worried. And, and by the way, you have a lot of value in that, that you've given up by giving power to other people if you're the manufacturer right? Mm -hmm. You've made it so that you don't have a direct LinkedIn connection. If you watch the Queen of Prefab episode um, with Bob Snyder and Canon Design, you know, they're sitting around a dinner table on purpose and having a conversation. And like these people have never met before and they've been on a million like, you know, jobs together, but they've never actually had a conversation. And it's like, wait, you've had a conversation between seven intermediaries to the guy that actually makes the thing you should have known about when you built, when you first started putting pen to paper. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. But I know we got another question coming in. Trent? Yeah, I want to go back. So <laughs> it's not completely off topic, but Darren had a question earlier. Uh, Amy, he's, how do you get companies talking about subs interested in innovating and improving with GMAX or GMP contracting markets when you're incentivized to not be efficient? So he's yeah. saying like less hours to bill equals less revenue. And that's how it's being viewed so yeah i think that is right like what you're saying i think the look i always say it's not hard to prefabricate pipe like there, far, there are a million guys watching and ladies today hopefully that are know how to prefabricate stuff right it's creating a culture it's creating artifacts like contracts and risk management and supply chain processes like you know when you use building connected you should be able to pull up all these prefab elements and things like that you know it's like all those things stop you from prefabricating a pipe, right? So that's a good example of why we are measuring the wrong thing, right? So, and we are using the wrong tools. Like think about lean. I, I'm a lean practitioner for lean manufacturing. Lean construction, almost every tool in lean construction is trade-centric. If you wanna do multi-trade, target value design is trade-centric mostly, um, pull plant, you know, everything you think about is trade-centric in there. Why? It's a bunch of construction guys that were like, let me take this manufacturing stuff and apply it to what I do. And so what is construction? We're trade-based, right? So, and the Lean Construction Institute, we're doing a thing coming up. Like we have to bring more manufacturing back to that. You've got to think more in multi-trade. You've got to think more in element-centric. You've got to think more about, are the tools, the contracts, the scopes, the, the bidding methodologies, the standards you may have at your hospital, are, like the, 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 by the way, I just said to a hospital person, uh, you know, a facilitator, facility manager, like your list of approved subs, if this is a job where you want prefab and I look down and none of them do prefab, you got to ditch it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to have hostages on a job. Like, you know what I'm saying? If they don't prefab, by the way, think about lean and the small group. What if they don't prefabricate and they're on the small group as a mechanical contractor? I don't yeah. care how good it is for the job. They're never giving up all that scope. They're just not like it's that, 
It's ridiculous to think they will. Good example, Amy, of exactly what you're saying. We, this is very recent. We went to a pre-bid for a job to renovate a mechanical room, and it's in the specs to laser scan, BIM coordinate, and do this mechanical room because the school can only be off. They can only be shut down for eight weeks. Right. So we got to do this whole mechanical room in eight weeks. And at least they realize the only way to accomplish that is with that technology, right? So at the pre-bid, one of the mechanical contractors walks up and says his words exactly. So this is one of them BIM jobs, huh? <laughs> and I swear to you, he's the one that won the bid. Stop it! Exactly, exactly, yep. Well, by the way, you can't act exactly the same and expect different results. That What do they say? That's insanity, right? <laughs> so it's like, I'm like, if you if you need prefab and the people that are on your list don't do prefab, you're not getting prefab. Like, yeah. I don't know, like you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out, right? Right. Now, it's my job at Autodesk Right now, the reason I went there, all my friends in the beginning were like, I, I don't understand, I don't understand why you went there, right? Like I'm I'm gonna be 50 this year for my friends. All my friends, I see your names coming up in the chat. I'm gonna be 50. I hopefully am not gonna be in this game for another 20, 25 years. You shouldn't have to call me like the 10 phone you calls. You won't be able to quit. Well, like probably not, but like you shouldn't call me to be like, hey, can you get me a good mechanical contractor in this part of the world? Like who does prefab? Like you shouldn't have to call Amy Marks to figure out what the, who should be on the bid list, right? Like you should be able to go to like some centralized network and repository. And then you should be able to have some, you know, understanding of the risk of all these contractors that do these things. And yeah. so that is going to happen. Like you'll see that happening, um, you know, around this world. It's already happening with like other places. So it, it needs to happen. Like the interesting part I think about what we're talking about here is that, you know, we've basically said, and everyone buys into the fact that like, we need to do more manufacturing techniques, right? But then it's uh, my friend, Brent McPhail, by the way, if you haven't met him, he works as one of the Autodesk consultants for robotics and automation, but he owns a company called Brave Engineering. And Brent and I, we talk a lot about like, I talk about prefab readiness and manufacturing readiness and uh, culture readiness. And Brent talks about automation and, and robotics readiness. He's like, I can't give you a six access arm robot, level four automation, if you're not at level one for readiness for automation. You know what I mean? If you don't have the right preventative maintenance things, you don't have the right mindset and you don't have the right people and you don't have the right culture like i could sell you this robot you could afford to buy this robot but it's not going to do anything for you this robot because you're not ready for that right yep. so i think a lot of what where is happening now and i think this is what you should be cautious of if you have a business is that we all understand what the new possible looks like and i don't think there's a person in this world that's going to be like that'll never happen everyone's seen it happening we see it going on it's happening now i think the challenge is it's like you need to work with companies. And this is really why I came to Autodesk. You need to work with holistic companies that can figure out how do I get from where I am today? And how do I transform what I'm doing and do it in a responsible way? How do I get the foundational skills and processes down? How do I productize things? How do I digitize things so I can automate them? How do I think about how I'm going to connect them in a platform in the cloud? How am I going to think about reuse, right? Like how, how is that? How, how do I go along this transformation journey in many different disciplines? And I think that's, and that was a lot in a sentence, by the way, but I feel like you should be asking yourself, if you believe in that new possible framework, if you think of that, there's going to be something out there different in the next five to 10 years, what am I going to do today to get there? I have the best story I haven't told like publicly yet. You've got to hear it actually. Well, go so, ahead. Uh, maybe I, uh, this is what happens when I have two tequilas. So I don't ever drink. You know that, right? Have another one for three. We're going for three. We're going to get an F-bomb. Yeah. We're going to get an F-bomb. Oh, we haven't got her to do that yet. What am I supposed to do? Disclaimer. Never mind. Never we are mind. trying to get her to do an F-bomb. Oh, yeah. On <laughs> us. 
Um, ye who shall not be named AutoCAD. Wait, they said you can curse. And I was like, well, I always tell my team internally. I'm like, listen, I'm like, I'm 25% smarter in meetings. If you just let me curse and everybody apologize, I'll apologize. If <laughs> let me curse. So like, but in public, like on these, I always say Autodesk doesn't really like when I curse probably They're like we have to get you to curse then. So like, it's not hard in my regular life to get me to say the F word. So anyway, but so it was interesting. I was talking to somebody about, you know, you've seen the, uh, the robot dog kind of stuff, like all that cool tech. And I'll use that as an example. This is like, this is more of the example, not exactly what happened, but so let's take the robot dog. Right. And I was talking to this company and they're like, yeah, we had like a robot dog for a month. We looked at this new tech, could be anything. I could say we had this cool piece of laser skin. We had a 3d printer. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. Like, but let's use robot dogs. Cause it just sounds cooler. Right. He's like, we had a robot dog for like a month. And I'm like, great. What did you learn having a robot dog? And they were like, yeah, it was like, we got a lot of good press. That was like sort of the answer back. And I was like, wait, I'm like, <laughs> so like you, you had a robot dog and you know, there's an army of robot dogs coming, right? Like you recognize, and he believes it. Like, I was like, you believe in the new, like, like the new normal of what's going to happen. Like, you know, like in quotes, an army of robot dogs is coming. Right. And he's like, yes. And I was like, and we let you live with one for a month. And like feed it, pet it, cuddle it, make a bed for it, sleep, whatever you want to do, like cut whatever you however, like set up your home for a robot dog, your home. Like, and you didn't recognize, like, I better like I gotta learn something from this activity over this month to know when a army of robot dogs is coming. Am I actually ready in my company for an army of robot dogs? Like, and I say that in quotes, like, am I ready for laser scanning against fine? Am I ready for generative design when it comes full on with computation? Am I ready for anything insert any word there right you at you see these cool things and if you look at cool tech the thing you should be asking yourself is am i set up today in the foundational skills that i need one day for that army of robot dogs when it comes right like whatever that is and so for me the what i tell our customers like because again self-serving but truthfully i came to autodesk because i feel like you know we own a lot of the stack across the product portfolio in design, make, and operate, right? And manufacturing construction is in that make group, right? And I came here because those portfolio of products is currently connected. Yes, we have BIM 360 and lots of cool bells and whistles with lots of things in our platform. But truly, if you know that platform is about to exponentially get even stronger, if you don't buy one of those foundational anchor products, right? You, your switching costs today would be great, obviously, if you have to swap that out for something you're used to using. But five years from now, it's going to be so much harder for you when everything is connected. It's going to be so much harder for you when all the tech is built on the premise of these anchor portfolio pieces. And that's the advice. Like I say it because, by the way, I my boss doesn't love when I say this, but like technically I don't sell software. You know what I mean? Like I don't have a quota and I don't like, I don't really go and be like, you should buy that. But I'm telling you, it's like, I'm telling you right now, if you don't get good at some of these things that are going to be connected together, like some things, you know, are just not going to change. It's too hard to make those, those transfer, like crazy shifts. Like you can't shift and change everything at the same time. I actually was in a, a, a conference the other day and I was like, wait a minute, you think you're going to get architects to use new software, new language, new processes. And like tomorrow, like all of a sudden, like everyone's going to start designing buildings and like something they've never used before. And like that, this is not going to happen. Like, mm. I'm kind of a realist. Like, I'm like, that's why I came to Autodesk, right? So you have to have strength in design. You have to have strength in manufacturing construction. You have to have strength in operate to understand those things. And you need to build upon that 
because that's going to only get stronger. It's going to only get more open to other companies to integrate their tech into. And so that's like the best advice I could give you, you know, if you're thinking about the future. I'm, I know that sounds... Jonathan, we've had that same conversation before, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. I I mean, you just said the most anti salesperson thing ever. You just said you can't go and buy technology and then have it. You know, you can't go buy a dog and it's going to be awesome. You know, like you have to know how to use that dog. And like, to its, by the way, it's funny. I used to call that person, like when people were like, I don't have time to innovate and like, well, I don't even know how to use the stuff I have. And I realized like, that I, I started calling that person the resistance persona, right? And I think I've made that term up just so we're clear. Nathan would remember that. So like when somebody else- <laughs> We like, don't owe you a dollar. I said, we don't I owe you a dollar till after the episode. <laughs> I'm writing a whole chapter in my book about the resistance persona. And like the resistance persona doesn't necessarily, they're not negative necessarily, right? They are frustrated oftentimes as one of the reasons why they sound like they're the resistance persona. They want to get somewhere. They don't understand how. And the first step is always those foundational skills, tools, and processes, right? Around readiness and assessments of like a holistic look of, you know, where you think the skills are when an army of robot dogs reality happens. Like there are things you can do today that are going to make you that much stronger tomorrow that aren't that like outrageous. You know what I mean? Like, and I just want people to recognize that you don't have to all of a sudden give up everything you're doing and do something completely different. That's not true. You know what I mean? And I think that should give you some comfort, but what you have to do is kind of put your money on what you think the most important tools are going to be in the future. You know what I mean? And like where your value is truly going to be. Yeah. And that's where I was going to go with my question is, is as, you know, as capitalism and economies and everything has built over time, we've, we've really become specialized. Right. And I think, is that where you're going with this? This thought is, you know, you're going to have, you know, Trent mentioned, you know, taking other, other uh, manufacturers and putting stuff together like from again from a trade standpoint like we're just going to get even more specialized right you're going to have installers you're going to have skid builders you're going to have what have you are is that where you're kind of thinking some of this stuff is going to go is just become even more specialized i don't know if it becomes that small right i love like i see jeff sample writing (laughs) (laughs) i didn't want to lose it we we have another term here like, He's going to coin actually, that. Really <laughs> it's a realist and an evangelist. It's a that real angelist. That is totally me. <laughs> That's what you are. I mean, you're a real angelist. I, I always say it. I'm like, my hands are very dirty, right? Like, it's not like I haven't gotten my face punched in in these jobs. So like, here's the thing. I think there's room for both, right? So I always say in software, a particular thing, right? Like you had Phil Bernstein. If you don't know who he is, he's amazing at Yale University now and at Autodesk, and he evangelized about BIM, right? He's like, this world has to go from 2D to 3D before there was Revit, before there was anything like that, right? So he like evangelized about that. And then Autodesk bought Revit. I'm making, I'm oversimplifying, but Autodesk bought Revit and that's the answer for three-dimensional and multi-dimensional CAD. Here's the hard part about IC. Like, and I'm a dork and we're on the dork, like, you know, construction dorks. There's no one ring to rule them all. That's unfortunate, but it's the answer. Like there is no like IC product. I don't, when anyone comes to me and they're like, we have the answer. I'm like, already I start feeling my blood boil, right? (laughs) Like, I'm like, tell me what you think. I actually was, I love the meetings where I go and somebody wants to talk to me about M&A, like buying their software they've developed. And the first, if they say the first thing out of their mouth, this is a clue, guys, ready? First of all, if I don't know what you do in the first two slides, I'm not smart enough to like, keep going. I have to stop. (laughs) Secondly, like, I'm like, if you can't explain, I'm a simple girl. Secondly, if you say, 
We know that these are all these problems. That better be the quickest part of your speech. I already know that. But we're not doing anything about these things. What we're fixing is this, this little connective tissue right here. I'll be like, tell me all about it, right? So like my own team at Autodesk, my own product team that builds product, they're like ninja warriors, right? They're the, I find that like Ryan McMahon is one of the smartest guys I know. He's my director of product. And he's like, right now they have a beta test out. Some of you are taking part in it. And they are only automating shop drawings. That's it. If you can't go CAD CAM, he's created this software that has inventor to Revit connection to push a button and create shop drawings at a push of a button. That's all it does. So I'm like, by the way, that's amazing. But like, I'm like, that's not the answer for IC, but it does fix this little gap in the connective tissue right here, right? So I'm like, we need that. There are a lot of these little things, right? That have to get fixed because it's not about one ring to rule them all. It's about how do we create the right neural pathways in the platform for these different elements with different DNA. It's a very complex problem. So anytime, this is a clue for all you business owners out there, all you guys that buy things. If someone's like, I have the answer for you, stop. Like it's wrong. Like, I don't care what it is. It is like, it is not it. Like they, it, 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 if, they if they say it fixes this, great but nothing is gonna like change like every single thing in this multi-tiered ecosystem of multiple industries with multiple drivers, different kinds of, it's just impossible. Unless right? you have no process to begin with, then I guess it fixes. That's my point, right? It's like, <laughs> I, I, I get crazy when people are like, and they're tiny, sometimes they're tiny companies and sometimes they're big that they say, we have the answer. And I'm like, you don't have the answer. I don't even care what's coming next. I know you don't have the answer. Like, and then by the way, like if they do, I hope somebody proves me wrong one day, but I, I think it's a too complex of a problem for one company, one software, one ring to rule them all. I just there, don't believe Yeah, we don't want it to be one. No, I, I think no. I speak for everybody that- We want I, the competition. Yeah. We want the, the growth, the, yeah. Yes. And by the way, Autodesk, the funny part about coming to Autodesk, and I know what the, you know, in the brand of the like world means. Like I showed a logo the other day and I showed Autodesk and all the companies that we actually partner with. I, I, we have more logos than anybody else that work within our ecosystem. And a guy actually said to me in the panel, he was like, well, Autodesk, that's closed incumbent. And I was like, how can you even like, let me pull that slide back up again. I'm like, how can you say we're a closed system when like I'm showing you thousands of logos of companies that actually interact within the platform to make those connective tissue connections. Like they're doing really amazing things. Like think about Evolve MEP or like, you know, Bridget or like, um, you know, we just acquired Pipe and we just did another acquisition this week. So, but but even the ones we're just partnered with that we don't own that are just interacting with us to, to create value for you in the platform, you can't possibly think that it's for anybody's value other than yours. Like, you know what I mean? We don't have any investment in those companies. They're coming to us to connect you. And I think that's super important for you to recognize about. And, and really, honestly, I, I, I started at Autodesk during COVID. They are super nice leaders. Like I, I've never met nicer, more genuine people that want to help the world. It's kind of, a, I'm from Jersey. I look around sometimes, I'm like, is this for real? Like, are they actually that nice? Like, honestly, <laughs> they're so nice. Well, you got to take the idea too, though, Amy, no, and no, like industry's got to hate somebody. We always hate the big dogs. You yeah. know, if you're, if you're on the small side, you're going to go, easy ah, target. you know, easy target, you know, Microsoft, everybody hates them. Everybody hates yeah. them. You know, you get to a spot. You actually should, if you can keep it. And it's funny because, you know, I've interviewed, you know, um, quite a few people from Autodesk over the years and you know I'll have somebody come to me and you know bitch about them and I'll be like wait 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 are you attacking them personally or are you attacking their stance because personally I really have yet 
to interview anybody at Autodesk that's made me feel like an asshole. And I have definitely interviewed people other places that have treated me like an asshole that probably didn't deserve it. Like I probably, you know, Jim could have treated me like an asshole if he wanted to, because it was really early in my career I'm and saying. he didn't. He, by the and, way, he's my boss. Like Jim, Lynch, for those of you who don't know, he like Jeff knows. Oh, we should call, toast him. Should. I'm not, here's yeah. to Jim Lynch, by the way. I'm not. Hey, crazy. Jim. How's the hey, time for the F-bomb? Here's for Jim. No, I'm not <laughs> Jimmy can drop an F-bomb. He doesn't do it on a show either, <laughs> but I'm guaranteeing you in the background. Well, I don't necessarily know for sure. He's a hockey he's guy. He's a hockey player. Of course he does. Like, oh, come on. Let me tell yeah. you something. If you need any proof in the world that he's not the greatest guy ever, I personally, as a woman in this space, could never work for anybody that wasn't Jim Lynch. Like, he is the nicest, most supportive, like, visionary there is. Right. So like, and again, like you're talking about, look, I'm Amy Marks. It's an over 55 white male in this space. He is the nicest, most <laughs> visionary, innovative guy who is like supportive of diversity and belonging and inclusion more than anyone on this planet I have ever met. That's me saying that I don't have to say that I can go work for myself tomorrow if I want to. Right. But he is special. Andrew yeah. is special. The sustainability group that's over there that's really thinking about this world and why this platform and convergence is happening and why it's so important are special people that actually care. Like, I mean, I know, and look, that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you. And by the way, I'm saying to anyone that's out there, you have a problem that you need help, call me, I'll fix it, right? Jeff, I will put you with mm -hmm. the right person. I will fix it. We will figure out how to like best like help you. Um, just think of you have like a friend, uh, you know, but it's, it's, and, and that's where it's like, it's okay to have, uh, and, and cause I know we have contrarian views on, <laughs> and I can know you could go to this group. No, I'm laughing at Darren Young. He's like, <laughs> not sure I trust the name he's saying. She always filters herself and he's yeah. laughing. Yeah. So filtered. And I've so had filtered. two tequilas. Yeah. Two tequilas yeah. in, you know, three tequilas in its floor. It's just the four of us talking to an empty camera over there. So <gasps> be really careful on the third one. No, but no it's, I, it's, 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 we gotta be, um, we got to attack what it is. And, and I've always yeah. been impressed with that with Autodesk. I've been, you know, impressed with others too. I mean, let's I was be just going to say, Jeff, I, I'll, butt, I'll butt in too. Like it, yeah, we're, we're praising Autodesk here for good reason, but it's not, this industry really cares. That's what got me so, yeah. so passionate mm -hmm. about it when I joined it is, you know, you can name, you can name Autodesk, Procore, Trimble, anybody like that. I mean, all of, all of the big players, there are people in it that really care. We're really trying to do something different here. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know what's interesting about it? So for those of you who don't know, I'm getting texts from like friends all around, um, is that, uh, I'm trying not to laugh at the texts I'm getting right now, but so they, like, I'm really lucky. My consulting business that I had before I came to Autodesk has now moved to Autodesk and it's not through the AEC consulting side. It actually has manifested itself in the manufacturing consulting side of Autodesk, right? Where they're agnostic to the tech, they do systems architecture and business strategy. They, and like, so the, and I say this, I, I, this is what my ask is, right? To the industry. I have a lot of friends out there that are small consulting companies or small technical companies that do cool stuff. All of them have really come out to support me in the Autodesk consulting business because we have certain consulting skill sets. But like I just mentioned, you know, Brave Engineering and Haley and Aldrich, like, 
you know, these kinds of guys that do lean consulting, they're amazing. Like we need these types of small consultants that want to do their very specialized thing, whether it's robotic and automation or um, inhaling altruist, just case that they're doing lean consulting and like, you know, lean manufacturing. So we need support. I just told you, no one company can do it by themselves, including Autodesk. So all my friends that do very cool consulting in this space, and whether that's MEP fabrication or what, whatever it is, you know, there's a home for you now at Autodesk. And I think I, I felt like as Excite, my previous company, I could have been a hundred times bigger if I had known that. And I think if I could help another small company, a certified woman-owned business like I was, or any kind of business that was small, get more work by being aligned with us because we need your help and our customers need your help. I want to do that for you. Like I want to do it for my old self. You know what I mean? And I think that's genuine from us at Autodesk. Mm -hmm. And there's a place for you now to get more business, to help us understand how this is going to work better. No one has the answer. I think that's, we have to come up with the answer all together. And again, it's complex, right? I, yeah. it, it is. I like Darren's quote before he drops off there. We get frustrated with Autodesk only because we have such high expectations. Uh, well, I was going to talk about. Oh, wait. Go ahead, Jonathan. I, I was going to say, like, Amy, if if you can teach some of the people that are selling Autodesk about that connective tissue, we will love you more. Because, I'm working on it. Because me and Travis and Trent, you know what we fix all day? You know what our entire life is? Is building connective tissue out of nothing. Yes. Like, like, I know. Like when you buy somebody at Autodesk, we're like, okay, cool. We don't have to fix that anymore because there's now connective tissue there. Yeah. But- but yes. we still have this whole skeleton over here. So if we're bitchy, it's because, you know, know, we've been we've been fixing we've been fixing weird stuff in weird ways for so long that it's yeah. kind of like our job. Like we're you professional know. hack it people. You are. You know? And by the way, I use that phrase. When I talk to C suite, I'm like, people are hacking the system because we haven't fixed this part, right? Like mm -hmm. they actually somebody said to me the other day, I've hacked Plangridge to do this thing with fabrication. And I was like, wait, what? Tell me all about it so I can fix it for you. You know, so I think the good news is, thank God you're doing that because it shows that we need it, right? And if you're doing that, you should reach out to me because who knows, maybe what you have is something we all could use and like, maybe it's something we all need. But, you know, the cool thing about what's going on now is I can tell you, I've been here a year. It's my year anniversary this week at Autodesk. And congratulations. Thanks. And I, I've only been in a couple of me, you know, like face to face is almost like it's so crazy. I, and now I've been, you know, I sit on a steering committee for sustainability. They recognize that this is a big part of sustainability story, industrialized construction. I evangelize for convergence, you know, as what happens when you converge. And also, I think the reason we are a platform company, one of the biggest reasons we have to do that is to make this connective tissue. And the business case that for me is most evident is I see. You know, you're seeing, you know, uh, operate, make, and, you know, and own, uh, sorry, sorry, design, make, and operate. See, I've been drinking too much, but design, make, and operate. You, you're seeing that convergence happen. So it's, remember, you gotta, you have to have sort of expectations. Like we were been a SaaS company only for a few years, right? Prior to that, you were selling box software out of, you know, siloed sort of approach. And you're right. Actually, I just had a conversation with what we call sales enablement. Like I've got to teach more people to talk about the way in which everything will be connected and what you can do today. You know, not just judge us from one disparate software versus another disparate software. It's like, no, you've got to, I, I said it like this recently. I was like, look, at the end of the day, if I'm building my house right now, which I am, and I want to put in a beautiful garage and somebody has a really great garage design and that's all they have. 
but somebody else has like a slightly less nice garage design, but they've enabled the fact that one day I'm going to have a personal flying device in my garage. I probably should go with the company that has enabled and thought about the fact that I need a personal flying device in my, in my garage, right? Like that's Autodesk right now. Like we know that we're moving towards personal flying device devices. And so you can't judge things anymore on disparate slices in the silo. It's, you just can't. And I think, and I say that because there might be a sliver of software that's better, but if it's not connected, it will never be better in the future. You know? Yeah. I, I just real quick, Jeff, I know you're probably trying to, but this relates to what, to what Travis and Jonathan have just said. And I'll, uh, Kind of I'm handling work. my own set of texts and slacks and things <laughs> coming in to go. Yeah. We only yeah, have no. so many two ways to get a hold of each other now. So. Right. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on what they've said. And, you know, Jonathan talking about the connective tissue and Travis talking about us being, uh, you know, coming from contractor scope of us being excited and, and, and really willing to, to work in this. Yeah. I mean, I think we're definitely willing to help. Autodesk and we can probably curb some of the frustrations, you know, let, let's work together because, you know, we're invested in this technology. A lot of us are, and we're running on razor thin margins too. So yes. I think that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the frustration is like, you know, I'm out there pulling new stuff in to improve our margins, but I've got to prove, you know, I've got a boss that is now expecting what I just implemented to be perfect. Like right. it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I know the flaws and the people that work for me understand the flaws and we adapt to it. Yeah. But, they, but you know, but the guy who punches my check is expecting perfection. So, well, and I that's why we want to work together. I got to talk to your guy who's expecting perfection. Right? Like, so, <laughs> I'm exaggerating. I'm no, no, exaggerating. No, no, no. Honestly, like basically a lot, but, and I say this all the time to our sales reps, I'm like, you're selling to a guy like Trent, right? And like, or somebody else who has a particular reason for buying who needs a particular ROI immediately. I needed, like, I was just talking to the president of a big contracting company. And I said, you agree the future is going this way, right? And he said, I do. And I said, you know what the new possible is going to look like and that you're doing prefab at all. He's like, I am hundred percent bought in. And I, I, I said, I know you buy this piece of software, which is not ours, right? It's a big chunk of the portfolio product. It's like one of the anchor tenants of the portfolio. And he said, I do. I said, you do realize like, you will never get to what we just talked about if you have this giant gaping hole in the connective tissue that I'm not connecting. I'm, you know, I'm not looking out to connect that thing because we don't own it. Like just that's factual. That's capitalism, right? Like, and it's and it's hard enough to connect the things I own, let alone the things I don't own, right? So you know that you won't ever get there if you just and and I get yeah. it, you have skill set. And he said, Yeah, but the sales reps I talked to. They don't speak like you. He said exactly what you said, Trent. He's like, I'm making a decision on one disparate software from another, but now that I understand this, so I need to make it easier for you, Trent, to make yeah. investment, right? Sure. Like, like, let's say- I we think have all we ask is if you're gonna funnel us to that connected software, yeah. then make it work for us. You know, I think that's yeah. the only frustration. And, and you gotta and help fine. me. I yeah, need sure. you. I need you to tell me what works and what doesn't. My work. phone is on always and ever, and I promise. Yeah, yeah. he does and not have you. a problem talking. No, he what does woman, not. By the no, way, Trent, no. what woman says to a bunch of guys on on the webinar? They're like, "I need you. I need you guys." I keep saying that. I'm like, "I need." Man, friends. it's been a long time since I've heard that. <laughs> I need friends. I need friends in the industry that are going to help me help you. We cannot. I told you, not one company can do this alone. Sure. I need to know where the gaps are. And by the way, the gap in making a rack, 
like or a riser is a different gap than making precast, right? And like designing for built precast, which is different than a prefabricated elevator, which is different. Yeah. Like there'll be similarities, but there's gonna be different neural pathways for some of these things. And by the way, here's the good news for you guys. Those of you who have been hacking, there's great opportunity for you to build some of that connective tissue that others can use, right? Like think about that. There's gonna be lots of little connective tissue places. Where Are you buying? Go. You buying now or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, Autodesk doesn't buy anything. <laughs> no, no reason acquisition. By the way, so let me, let me correct one thing. There are a lot of opportunities to partner with Autodesk if you're building something that have nothing Absolutely. to do with buying with you. And Absolutely. that's grants. There are grants from the foundation. There are investments. There are partnerships. There's lots of things. So like, don't look at, and I say that even though you're joking, Jeff, like I say it like, there's a lot of ways that like Autodesk can support you. The Forge Foundation, right? Like everything built on, if you're building on, if you're building something right now and you're not building it on Forge, stop. Like, come to me, let's talk about how to fix what you're building on. It's gonna, that's gonna be a big part of the connective tissue is Forge. So I think, you know, again, like if you wanna make it, like you're almost like thinking about building things that become valuable, not just to you, but to, again, platform is to the entirety of the ecosystem. Think everybody, right? For whatever capitalist reason you want to. But I think there's a lot of ways to engage with Autodesk. Research, foundation, Forge, um, sustainability, like partnering. There's so many ways that um, you can really partner with us. And I think sometimes it's just having a friend inside that, you know what I say about myself, Jeff, I'm like, there's more than one way in the house. Like there's the door, there's the window, there's the back door, there's the chimney. Amy March gets in the house. That's just the end. I'm getting in, I'm cold. So I'm getting in the house. Like I'm a, I'm a street kid. So I'm getting in the house. I'm, I'm getting in. Travis, you got one more before we wrap this thing up. I would be remiss if I didn't put on my CPC hat and, and shout out to Nathan Wood. And, and you know, you talk, you keep talking about you know, not one ring to rule them all and all the great ways you can work with Autodesk. So how does Autodesk work well with all its competitors? How do we fix this thing in construction? I, and I understand, I understand I'm a capitalist myself. I, I yeah. understand we all want the largest piece of the pie we can get, but I think I said it on the last podcast with Hugh, can't we just all get along? How do we fix that? I mean, you can, I think, honestly, like, look, I don't, I, I'm not the CEO of Autodesk, um, but I think, and Andrew's amazing. I don't want to be the CEO of Autodesk, actually. I'm in my dream job forever at this point for where I want to be, right? But I do think they're a platform company, and I do know that Andrew believes this, and I do know that the guys that are doing platform recognize that competitors have a place in the platform. They do, Right. I think it's when you when you are thinking about what the what the place is is that you know most of the competitors are like going head to head with us on one sliver, right? So that's the difference, right? When they recognize that there's what do they call it? Uh, uh, cooperation from cooperation. Cooperation. Yeah. Sorry, I, I always forget that word. Rick Khan, that's a dollar to you. <laughs> that's it. A place for cooperation in a platform exists a hundred percent. Right. So I think that there are really good places for people that have great functionality in a sliver of the connective tissue or even a bigger piece of the connective tissue, that there's a place for that. And even proprietary. Let's say we work, our platform must understand that there will people there will be people that have proprietary software that we need to connect to. Now we may need to have other um, avenues to make sure we can connect to it if you want to work with us. Like that's why we have consulting that makes some of that connective tissue for our big customers that have proprietary software, right? But I think there's a place for it. And I think it, it's just everyone stepping back. Like, again, there's no one ring to rule them all. 
right? Like think about what I just said. Autodesk is saying, we don't have everything. We have a platform which allows for other people to get involved in the ecosystem. So that in and of itself is very inclusive. And I think if you recognize that, if you're one of the quote unquote competitors, you're better off to think about how to work within the connective tissue because there's a really great place for you, right? Um, I think I think the place that, let's be fair, the place where it gets really dangerous is, or I would not say dangerous, the place where it's more difficult is when you are competing against one of the anchor products, right? Like that's that's hard to compete with when you're talking about connective tissue because right now when you're in an infancy of some stuff, like the connective tissue is like, it's hard enough to make it between our own products and what we're doing. And like, we already have connective tissue. Obviously there's a lot functionally in place. That gets more difficult. I don't want to lie and say like, that's so easy. Every competitor can be part of the ecosystem. It's a little bit harder when you take head to head one of the anchor products, right? Like, I think that just makes sense from a capitalist perspective, right? So, but I think, but then again, I would ask those guys, like, do you really have that? Like, is it something that you could fit into a sliver as opposed to like saying that you compete with an anchor tenant product? You know so what I mean? Break that. Let me break that yeah. down and see if I heard it right. Okay. Because I think it's kind of interesting. I think it's worth it. I got to stop using that word. Um, <laughs> Don't get me in trouble tonight. No, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to get you in trouble. As you go down the chain more, there's more of an opportunity for the smaller companies, the smaller products to really integrate and connect things for different platforms because there's competing platforms at the moment, um, or at least those that believe they're more large competing platforms, however you want to say that. But so, so solving the problem that Travis is asking about could probably be done best and modeled from smaller groups showing how it works to work with the larger ones. Is that what I'm hearing? Like it's, it's easier to do there. It's better to do there now and to show and to show the value that it can drive because you know, obviously if, if your product is stickier because of my product, then both of our products are actually winning. Is that what I'm hearing? Or did I hear that wrong? No, I mean, like, I mean, I could break it down pretty easily for you. Like, you know, obviously we own AutoCAD and Revit. If you tell me like you want to be a part of the platform, but you're going to completely try to replace one of those two products, it's probably a little harder to work within the ecosystem than if you're saying like, I have this functionality that work within okay. AutoCAD and Revit mm -hmm. that connect that to Inventor or Build or, you know, the unified product. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just factual. Like, I think you have to look at that, like from a business perspective, it's probably just easier as you start out making these connective uh, tissue that you're not going to pick like, you know, the head to head competitor of like one of your anchor tenants and be like, let us connect that as best as we can. You know, like that doesn't make any sense. I think like, I don't know if I even have to say that maybe I'll get in trouble for that, but I don't think so because it just doesn't make sense. Right. Like, it's like, it would be like, it would be silly from a business perspective. I think, I think there are a lot of big companies that do things we don't do. It's not just small companies. There's connective tissue that done from very large companies that don't do what we do that have to be integrated into this process right because okay. again like as much as you'd like to what quote unquote democratize the data like i'm sorry software is treated differently when you're thinking about pipe than it is when you're thinking about precast like you can't necessarily you can sometimes use the same software but there's a lot of specialty functional software that does a particular thing for a particular type of you know material right or a particular process, a particular workflow, a particular focus in the ecosystem. What like Bridget doing labor, you know, management, right? Like mm -hmm. they're not necessarily going to take over all of like 
unified product or build at Autodesk, but they have a sliver that maybe enhances what we do. I think the first people that get incorporated into a platform are those types of people, obviously, instead of one that wants to replace a big chunk of what yeah. platform company does. So, That's so what I'm hearing like, is uh, for the rest of the guys, you know, we should shelve our idea for killing civil 3D. I mean, you can, no, you should not. That was a good idea. By the way, I mean, I will tell you this. I think the other cool thing is like at Autodesk is that people are like really, they're nerds like we are. Like, you know, they're like, they're really appreciative of something that's elegant and beautiful and amazing. So if you had something like that, I'm not telling you to stop. I think you should come and talk to us because honestly, like, I think that they're open to listening to great things. Like I talk about a lot. I talk to a million companies like a, a month that are thinking about like investment or <laughs> yeah. that's it, for the next yeah. private. Yeah. Next <laughs> All I, right, I guess, guys, I, oh. go ahead. Aunt. Did you have one more, Jonathan? I, I guess the only thing I'd say in, in, in listening to everything is, you know, I think anchor is the wrong word. I think foundation is the right word. You have it foundational is, is. software. So usually if we're being critical, it's of, of sort of some of those things. It's because we, we want to have a foundation underneath us that yeah. is supportive of whatever we're building. Correct. So if, if you can support us as a good foundation, we'll build all day. Yeah. But if in some way your foundation starts slipping and cracking, that yeah. makes my build on top of it look bad. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's where, yeah. that's where I think when, you know, when we talk, you have, you have actually some really interesting things because you have Revit and you have AutoCAD, which are two foundations that actually overlap a lot. Yes. So in, in very few companies would even entertain that. Right. But, but definitely like when, when you talk about the connective tissue, I think one of the things that all us dorks worry about is, is like, are we building on the right foundation? Is this right. the right yeah. foundation for us to build on? Right. So if you're going to sell us something, man, sell us that that foundation yeah. is going to get better. That's what I'm selling you us. on. If you, okay. if you think about like what I do for a living and I don't sell, but if you, what you're betting on is me, what you're betting on is those foundational tools that you recognize are good and that are, are have great product roadmaps and they have a reason to get better. Right. So it's like, you're again, you, you don't have one, like one product that you're just trying to like get good to sell it off. Like that's not Autodesk. Like we're keepers, right? Like as they say, right. You're holders. You're not guys that are like flipping. Right. So it's like in the real estate world. So this is, this is a company that is holding assets to make them better, right? They don't buy things to kill them off, especially foundational tools, like you said. So yes, you should judge based on, are they evolving the foundational tools, which of course I believe we are. We just came out with build and some amazing things on the construction side. And there's fantastic manufacturing tools. For those of you that don't know about our manufacturing tools, we have great, it's like, for me, it's like the unhidden, it's like the hidden secret when I came, we have fantastic manufacturing tools. I, we have great things in Fusion and Inventor and things that you've never even heard of before, PLM and Vault. So I think you're right. Like you're making a bet, right? Like when you buy software in a platform environment, you're making a bet that that company is going to build upon the foundation. But then here's the other part I'll throw at you. We can end on this. Sometimes those foundational tools are good enough to be a foundation, but they'll need fast, you know, jet skis around them doing other cool things in the cloud, as an example, you know, mm -hmm. that maybe like, you may not be able to completely change one of the found because it's a foundational tool, right? You don't want to move it. You don't want to change it. So many people know how to use it the way it is, but you may want to add some cool bells and whistles that interact with it to make it that much more enhanced. And I think that's the part you have to like, make sure you're looking at 
And you want to make sure you're making your, like, honestly, you're making a bet on me. You're making a bet on Jim Lynch. You're making a bet on all the nice and smart people that they believe in this vision. You should be asking us, what do we, what is the vision for the platform and the way in which we want to do business and convergence? How is that affecting what we're doing in strategy? Because there is an answer for that at every level of this company right now, from C-suite down to the upper levels. And you're right. It needs to seep more further down to the sales guys. So, but I, I would say bet on me because like, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. You know me, like I, I trust me, bet on me. That's why you've got to, you've got to, you know, come to us and we've got to learn from each other. You know what I mean? I'm betting on you guys, by the way, I come out and talk about the trades because my money's on you. So put, put your money on me because my money's on you. That, we're, not, we're where the money is because we're where the risk is. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and on that, you got to end there because she's betting on us. Um, Cause you know, well, we're betting on you, Amy, and we're betting on all that you've got right now. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join the construction dorks for episode 19 mixed mechanical arts. And, you know, with Amy Marks, the head of industrialized construction and evangelism at Autodesk, but also a, the queen of prefab and a friend in the industry. I will say that I've been able to call up Amy to ask lots of different things. She's got a ton of information and, you know, I'm, I'm putting my money on it, but I'm putting my money on a lot of things these days. And we really appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for everybody who joined us. Tune in next time. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thanks. I give you, I give you permission. I have Damn the it. power. I, I gotta, have uh, the power. I got to fix my I, name that you misspelled. You jagaloon. <laughs> Come on. You know, that's what my dad would ask me to do yeah. chores, and I'd fuck it oh, up. Oh, wait. I'm the one that taught him how to fuck it all up. All right. All right. That's not damn it. Yeah. Yeah, well. Put your hand out of the video. Last week, yeah. was my daughter on the on the show this week. It's Dude, my son's that hand. Was, the daughter was awesome. <laughs> Nobody's forcing you to breed, just so you know. I mean, I feel like you are. I don't know. No, you know, I don't man, think you should. Yeah. Everyone has the right. Don't vote in my school board election. <laughs> and stay the fuck out of my school board election if you're in my town. I don't think I should have to pay taxes for a school that I don't have kids to go to. I'm still up in arms about that. That's like saying I've never had to call the fire department, so I shouldn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah, but I know that I will never have to send any Yeah, to but school. your house value goes up based on the school being good or not. So you benefit from the money that's put into Ooh, that school. There's a good counter argument. Mm. Just saying. Fair enough. I appreciate the I'm actually, but- Amy, how Ooh. you doing? How are you doing? Yeah, have you, seen, oh. you haven't seen Jonathan's setup, have you? He's got like a full-on studio now. I got, dude, I got a 20-day, Amy, I got caught in my house for 20 days on quarantine. My office went from a closet to like a full studio because I got bored, oh, could not stop doing things. Um, you want to get come here? Together. <laughs> Amy, I want to go anywhere and I just can't. <laughs> no, I think like there's some basic stuff, but then it's like, it's really about business, right? Like, do you want to be in business? Are, are you ready to transform? And that's varying levels for different companies. I mean, all these things like productization, are just ways in which are on the transformation journey. But ultimately, that's baby steps. Like we're all trying to basically get rid of digital and physical waste. That's just one way of doing it. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's a, 
I could show it actually. I have one slide on what we've come. I've come up with this transformation framework that I might get my PhD on, but yeah, I mean, there's like beginner stuff and then there's like really heady dorky conversation. We want the I'll tell you what, man, you can nerd out because the, the people that tend to listen are like the dirk, dorky, nerdy people. Yeah. Um, not a lot of the beginner people that I've noticed, at least. Bob Snyder was just afraid to sit here toe to toe with me and get into the really headsy smart stuff. Here we go. Ooh. Bam. Oh. So, so we went on a camping trip with the kids. Um, I was a chaperone for the school. And no alcohol, no nothing allowed, like got to be straight and somebody opened a soda and every one of the parents were like, what? <laughs> I was like I'm like that is such a Pavlovian response for all, all of us camping. Oh, yeah. We we uh, went out we none of us really thought about it so like we had water but that was it. None of us really thought about it so we freaking went out and got uh the sparkling water and we're all sitting around and the teacher comes, hears all the cracking of what sounds like beers and comes running over and she's like, oh my God, you're all drinking La Croix. Really? <laughs> all right. Okay. I guess. And we were like, we had to do something. It had to feel like camping. <laughs> okay. If you're like, you if you're literally like Rock Johnson, I'm like swiping left. If you're like, I like camping. <laughs> what if we, what it, would it make a difference if it was glamping? Cause it's really what okay. I like. I like glamping, but I'm not you can do the glamping. The I don't sleep on the ground. I'm yeah, a glamper yeah. like camping to oh, me. Yeah. I've, I've done it, but yeah. I mean, just I'm not sleeping on the ground. you can, you can stay in a Hilton and call it camping. I mean, I don't know. If it, no, I don't mind even saying like in an airstream or in a cabin or like all that, or like even in a tent if it was big enough and had like a cot. Yeah. I'm just not sleeping on the floor. I just will not sleep on the ground. 